1: Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Hello, Professor Gershon.
2: Good morning, Liz. How are you?
1: I'm excellent, and I'm stunned and amazed at technology. A lot of time you you know something is technically possible, but then when you try to do it, it never works. But I'm so excited that all of this works. I'm in Jackson at MPB's studios. You're at the Law Library, the In Legal Terms studio at the University of Oxford, uh, University of Mississippi School of Law in Oxford. And we've got our guests today and they're all connected to us.
2: Well, and I'm so excited to have attorneys Wade and, and Bedwell with us today. They work at the Mississippi Center for Justice. Uh, welcome to both of you. And could you? Yeah, I know that uh, uh, Attorney Wade is also an adjunct professor here, has been at the at the law school, and and uh, Attorney Bedwell was uh, worked in our. He was actually in our uh, low income housing clinic, and we're going to be talking about housing today. So tell us both a little bit about your backgrounds and uh, and the work of the Center for Justice
3: hello good morning how are both of you
2: great good morning
3: great well this is Vangela Wade and I am so honored to be a part of this program today um, I as you mentioned I am I've, uh I am the, the president CEO of Mississippi Center for Justice and I've stumbled over that because it's still so new for me um, I am an alumni of Mississippi State University way back in 1984 uh, and uh, 1996, uh graduate of University of Mississippi School of Law. So I've been practicing now for about, ooh, dare I say, 23 years, uh, but most recently became the president and CEO of the Mississippi Center for Justice in January and uh just to give you just briefly about some information about what we do uh, i'll just say that uh mcj we use our legal expertise uh in legal advocacy and community engagement uh, to include outreach and education to fight and dismantle structural racism economic and social injustice throughout the state and Uh, With this pandemic, uh, with Katrina, BP oil spill and a number of other issues that have gone on in our state or that continue to go on, our work has never been uh, needed more.
2: Well, we really do appreciate your work. You've been uh, doing public service pretty much your whole career and and, uh, we're on the board of the Center for Justice before becoming president. Um, And and, and, well, what about you? Tell us a little bit about your background. Hey,
4: good morning. Thanks for having me. So I grew up in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and then went to the University of Mississippi for undergrad and then stuck around for law school, and I'm a more recent graduate. Uh, and I realize, Professor, thinking back, I think you're one of the first people I talked to when I went uh, to do a tour of the law school uh, before I went there, actually. So it's great to be back in, in this space now. But I had a real interest in um, public policy, especially around the environment in college, and then got real interested in environmental law and soon saw the real um, nexus with thing and environmental justice and um, environmental racism, especially here in Mississippi. And then I had the pleasure of doing the housing clinic. Uh, for two different semesters while I was at the law school, and I can't say enough about the clinical programs, but that really um, made me so, so interested in housing. I've never had a more uh, fulfilling work, so I joined the Center for Justice, and I've been there about two years now, and I mainly focus on Fair Housing Act enforcement.
2: Well, housing is such an important issue all the time, and especially, as you mentioned, there. You know, uh, in, in Mississippi, we have a lot of people who, who struggle uh, to, to pay their rent, to pay their mortgages, but especially now during the pandemic. And housing
1: people- is our topic today. Attorney Will Bedwell is in Biloxi. He's with the Mississippi Center for Justice, and the president and CEO of the Mississippi Center for Justice, Vangela Wade, is with us in Jackson. We, With this um, uh, pandemic, uh, a lot of people are being furloughed or losing their jobs, and they're risking eviction because they can't pay their rents or their mortgages. What kind of help is out there for people in that situation? We'll we'll start with Will.
4: Okay, yes. So there's two um, at least – fairly short-term protections in place. And so one is the Federal CARES Act, which I suspect we'll talk about a lot this morning. And it essentially has made an eviction moratorium for housing that is in some way subsidized by the federal government. So what first comes to mind for most people is Section 8, um, project-based housing or vouchers, Um, as well as public housing and then housing that's um, HUD-funded for the elderly or disabled or persons living with AIDS, as well as low-income housing tax credit properties and properties that have federally-backed mortgage loans. So you think of uh, Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. So all of those, anyone involved in those programs cannot evict anyone from 120 days since the CARE Act was passed. Um, And that was passed on March 27th. So that's one of the immediate protections, is that you cannot be evicted right now. Now, that doesn't mean rent's not due. Um, And so I'm sure we'll get into it more this morning, that there is kind of a reckoning that we're all going to have to deal with, and that it's, of course, it seems like a crisis now, but these... Um, and these eviction moratoriums may stall that, but it's still um, a crisis that we're going to have to face because of how many people are out of work, losing work, losing income because of this. Now, the other protection that's immediate is the governor's stay-at-home order, which also does a broad eviction moratorium. Okay, and, of course, that's set right now. He's extended it a week, so that's going to expire next Monday unless he extends it further. So that's one another one of the immediate protections for people that risk eviction. But again, it's, it's short term.
2: And we know you mentioned that rents do, it it seems like, you know, the the other side of this is that landlords, uh, especially people who depend on those rents for their own income are are going to be hurting too. Is there anything that protects them?
3: Absolutely. Uh, Within the, uh, Within the CARES Act relief, uh, there's, uh, relief for residential landlords, uh, just as for their tenants and, uh, more specifically for those landlords who are, uh, who have loans or mortgages that are backed by, uh, federal, uh, funds, which is, uh, Freddie, Freddie May and Fannie Mac. Uh, so those, those res- residential borrowers under those federal programs uh will have relief uh, i believe it extended from um uh maybe Jan- march 13 2020 uh through the end of the year uh but they will have forbearance uh, uh opportunities so that uh that the mortgage servicer must must grant them at least 180-day forbearance with no additional documentation required in that process. So, uh, of course, that would need to be requested by those borrowers, but that is for those loans that are backed by the federal government. And there are also, if a landlord or a a real estate company, uh, if it's a business, then we know that under the small business uh, the SBA, uh, had, has a, uh, loan, offers a loan opportunity for businesses, uh, if you can show, uh, whether you have personnel costs, uh, utility, uh, rents associated with those businesses. So, you know, there are opportunities out there, uh, that we would definitely encourage people to look into under the CARES Act.
2: Liz, I know we're going to have to take a break in a minute, but I would love to – when we come back from that, I would love to hear how the Center for Justice can be involved in helping people on both sides of that issue. I know you all have done a lot of a great work uh, in housing throughout, you know, uh, the, the existence of the organization. But, you know, especially now, people are going to want to know, what, what can I do and how, who's out there to help me? And I know that your organization is one of those that, that provides that help.
1: We're going to continue with our discussion of housing – If you'd like to learn more about the Mississippi Center for Justice, I'll tell you how you can next. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is In Legal Terms. Not everyone has a chance to listen to our show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill, here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. The Mississippi Center for Justice's General Counsel, Riley Morse, was a guest on In Legal Terms August 7th, 2018. I'm so sorry it's taken us so long to get y'all back. If you'd like to go and listen to that broadcast to hear more about the center's mission and goals, you can find our podcast or go to the webpage. This morning, we're talking about housing with attorney Vangela Wade, president and CEO of the Mississippi Center for Justice. And we're also joined by Will Bedwell, an attorney at the center's Biloxi office.
2: And, you know, I was I was interested because my my daughter is in France trying to get out of France right now. She was teaching there. And uh, the way the French have dealt with evictions uh, is each year it is illegal to evict someone during the winter months in France. And what they did this year was they extended winter, which I think is a, a uniquely French solution to that problem. But. You know, um, is there generally a policy in the United States that protects people from eviction uh, even without COVID-19? Is there there some way to protect, to make sure people have housing?
4: So there really isn't um, any analog uh, to that in France that comes to my mind at the federal level or our state level. And uh, if you'll permit me to get on my soapbox for a second, uh, you know, I'll point out that, the last two years, especially in Mississippi, um, have been rather dire for renters and people that are facing um, homelessness. And in Mississippi, we've got uh, at the latest uh, census, um, 400,000 people that rent um, that are regular renters, and and we've had the Mississippi Residential Landlord Tenant Act. Um, and credit to Professor Debbie Bell for um, making sure that got passed in the early. 90s, and that made finally made a lot of protections uh, for tenants, and at least gave a uh, guidepost, you know, and and rules around how everything should operate. But the last two years, the, our government here in Mississippi has um, amended the act um, and added some things that really have. Uh, made the eviction process or facing the eviction process more harrowing. And and one of those is everyone's used to having, say, a 30-day notice if you breach your lease. Non-payment of rent is much shorter, but just breaching your lease, you know, you have 30 days. Um, Now that's a 14-day notice. They changed that law. And then another, we call it the drop-dead eviction. And so used to um, you go before a judge, and you, and you lose, and you're you're going to be evicted. He has a lot of discretion. He or she has a lot of discretion about when um, to tell you you need to be out of that property and move all your things out. Now, um, the drop-dead eviction, uh, if the judge is in an order evicting you, he, he can order you out immediately, and the law says he shouldn't grant you more than three days unless you the tenant being evicted affirmatively show to him that you have some special circumstance uh, and you need more time. And, of course, anyone uh, needs more time, in my opinion, if you're getting, you know, to be out immediately with all your worldly possessions is quite a ridiculous imposition. So I I fear, even though we're, we're learning each year more and more people are closer and closer to being evicted, how many Americans live on one paycheck you know, paycheck to paycheck, that we're at the same time chipping away at laws uh, that give those protections. And I think this COVID crisis is finally uh, bringing that into stark uh, relief, and we're realizing what's going on. So that's one, you know, tiny thing we can hope for out of this is that we look back at those laws and realize that we need to protect uh, especially the most vulnerable among us.
2: Well, I, I appreciate uh, your, your conviction to that, and I think it's very important. You know, uh, I, this crisis may also make us rethink health care as well. And so, you know, uh, um, maybe some good will come out of this. I mean, but we right now we've got to, of course, uh, work our way through this. And so, what, you know, in addition to evictions, uh, their families, let's say, even though they may be able to pay their rent, they're going to have trouble paying their utility bills. Um, you know, there's never been more important to have internet service than it is now, as as a lot of people are taking classes online and uh, working online. So is there help for families who who are having trouble paying their utility bills as well?
3: Uh, yes, the, uh, Mississippi Public Service Commission, uh, issued a utility shutoff moratorium back in mid-March, uh, that lasts, should last, that's expected to last about 60 days, which may be, uh, coming to an end around May 14th, unless that's, uh, extended. But now, although it, it, it does not allow for, whether it's landlords or utility companies to disconnect, uh for uh, uh unpaid balance uh that does not mean that people should not continue to pay their bills uh, at this time uh because you know certainly uh when this when either the moratorium has has lifted uh you don't want to, if you can avoid it and i understand that that may be difficult where people are have lost jobs or may not have gotten uh some of the stimulus money uh that um took from the federal government or may not have gotten their unemployment check yet in order to pay those uh utilities but if you have the money uh it would probably uh be best to definitely pay on the bill uh at at this time uh but there is a moratorium uh that was issued by our public service commissioner
2: what i would love to hear from our guests is okay so let's say i've got a problem and i'm about to be evicted can i come to to you in the center and say can you help me and 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 really what kind of resources would the center have to help me in that situation
4: Yes, um, so that's kind of where we've pivoted since the moratoriums, uh, both the Public Service Commission moratorium and the uh, uh, governor's eviction, as well as the CARE Act's moratoriums. Um, we've pivoted to try and do that service on this kind of emergency basis. And what—and um, I guess I'll go ahead and give the, the number, too, so that we don't forget about it, and that's 601 352 and so what we're seeing, and this is actually a somewhat common practice already around Mississippi, are what we call constructive evictions, which are evictions done outside the law without the judicial process. And, and that's most commonly done by a landlord uh, changing the locks, locking someone out, or the landlord has the power in their name, they go and cut off the utilities. And so we're seeing, um, especially the utility shut off happening more now. And of course, the the public utility companies—they know about the moratorium, and and they wouldn't. I don't. You know, if they knew it was a rental property, but they don't. The landlord shows up. It's in the landlord's name, and then uh, they cut it off because the landlord tells them, you know, I'm turning off service here. Uh, but that's actually outside uh, the law, and clearly. Um, in contradiction to both the governor's stay-at-home order and the Public Service Commission's order. So we've been successful thus far, although a lot um, are coming in with that problem, in talking with landlords, explaining to them, you know, how they're running afoul of the law and the governor's and Public Service Commission's orders. But uh, some, we did have to go um, and get, like, a temporary restraining order uh, for a court to tell the landlord, turn the utilities on you know, while this is going on. But again, you know, I mentioned that's uh, not, I hate to say kicking the can down the road, but, but we really need more. Um, and there's money in the CARES Act that is flexible, but it's up to states and state agencies how to use it that, that could hopefully eventually be used to help people um, with payments, for instance.
1: So, Will, if individuals in the state of Mississippi feel like they need some assistance because they're going through a constructive eviction or they're having problems with the utilities or with the landlord, they could call the Mississippi Center for Justice, and that phone number is area code 601 352 2269. Did I get that correct?
4: That's it, Liz. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I'll also mention regularly, so I mentioned we pivoted kind of to this work, and there were, um, you know, I'll mention Mississippi Legal Services um, and uh, North Mississippi Rural Legal Services. or they, they commonly do this work as well. Um, so I mentioned this is, this is what landlords will do if they don't want to go to court, you know, and they've been doing it for years. And so they, they have a good history of fighting those two.
1: Well, um, we have two calls. Now, Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Will.
4: Okay, yeah, real quick, I just wanted to mention, too, our Fair Housing Hotline number. So we're um, always trying to stop housing discrimination. So if someone feels they're being treated differently because of their race, because of their living with children, or they're being, you know, um, sexually harassed by a landlord, we want to help them, too. And we've got a toll-free number for that, which is one 877 two two six nine
1: okay and we will I'll give out the public the Mississippi legal services and the North Mississippi legal services number a little bit later and also all of these phone numbers will be on the website we've got a couple of calls that we're going to go to first let's take uh, Michelle who's called in Michelle thank you for being part of in legal terms go ahead Thank you for taking
0: my call this morning. Um, you mentioned um, during this COVID nineteen pandemic, um, um, really well, uh, people who own properties and just say apartment complexes can't um, evict people. Is there a timeline on or a date that people have? Uh, meaning, is it two months, three months? Um, do they have that anywhere um, policy-wise online or something that gives the um, homeowner or the um, landlord a timeline and the uh, person that's living in the home or the apartment a timeline? Because when you go through a month or two do you, and you don't pay, uh, when they open the stakes back up, will those three months or two months be um, uh, required to pay? at that moment, or will they have time to pay? What are the stipulations? Or do they even have them out there? Hey,
3: Hi, Michelle, thanks for calling. this sure. is Angela Wade. Thank you. Hi. Um, I, I'll take that question. Uh, under the CARES Act, there's a moratorium uh, that extended 120 days from March 27th. So that would, as the CARES Act uh, stands now, that would be about around about July 25th with regards to evictions now that is specifically uh for those properties that are federally funded uh and for those tenants who live in federal federally funded properties uh and certainly after there's at this point we don't have any other guidelines as to uh how that's going to be uh Implemented, uh, at the end of the moratorium. Um, but again, if a person has money, if you have the money to pay, uh, your rent or any portion of the rent, certainly that would be better than facing a uh, severe deficit at the end of that 120 day. Uh, but right. you're right when you alluded to not having guidelines there. Uh, the, the CARES Act has some wonderful provisions, but uh, they, they're, at this point, still working out some some of the specifics with regards to how this is going to unfold. And as uh-huh. far as Mississippi, uh, because of that, the governor's stay-at-home order uh, initially was supposed to end this past Monday, but was extended through the 27th. So we're looking at that moratorium for uh, renters in Mississippi to be uh, extended through April twenty seventh. But again, the provisions under the CARES Act impact those people who are residing in federally funded homes, housing uh apartment complexes or who who are uh who have mortgages uh by that are backed by uh, uh, federal loans.
0: So thank you for answering that. So if someone uh, does not live, lives in an apartment complex that is not federally funded or low income, uh, that apartment complex has the right to make their own um, rules when it comes to someone not being able to pay their uh, rent during this time, correct?
3: It would appear so, except for, of course, the the governor's moratorium on uh, evictions that, again, has been extended through uh, April 27th uh it would of course if the best case scenario is for any uh for landlords and tenants to work together uh to work through this issue so uh hopefully people are doing that contacting their landlord uh to try and work out uh the payment of the rent if they if they don't have the money for it at this time as opposed to in all likelihood, you know, maybe facing some type of uh, eviction process at the end of the moratorium. But again, all of this is playing out in, as they say, in real time. We don't necessarily have a playbook uh, for how these things are going to work through. But I I appreciate your questions. Thank you. Thank you.
1: We are talking with representatives from the Mississippi Center for Justice about housing issues during this pandemic. I'll give out some phone numbers for the Fair Housing Hotline and the Mississippi Center for Justice constructive evictions phone numbers and Mississippi Legal Services. When we come back, you're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.
2: This is Malcolm White with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Every week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcast app.
1: You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert host. I'm Liz Gill, and we hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast. There are lots of different podcasting platforms. I'm really sticking with podcast podcast addict. I downloaded it to my phone. I touched the plus that takes me to the page to search for podcasts. Then I typed in In Legal Terms in the search area, and it brings up our show. Then I can touch it. And See all of the episodes that are available. I could even be notified when any new episodes are loaded up if I choose. This morning, we're talking about housing issues with our guest, Attorney Vangela Wade, President and CEO of the Mississippi Center for Justice, and Will Bedwell, an attorney at the Center's Biloxi office. We have a call that has been uh, waiting. Oh, but wait, first, I promised some phone numbers. We've been talking about some phone numbers. All of these will be on our web page for the show. So if you want to grab a pen or pencil right now, if you can't get to the webpage, page, uh, go ahead and jot that down. I did notice that the Mississippi Volunteer, Volunteer Legal Project is closed. According to their website, they're going to be closed until May 4th of 2020. But Mississippi Legal Services is still available. They have an 800 number. 1 800 498 1804. Once again, the Mississippi Legal Services phone number is 1 800 498 1804. The Mississippi Center for Justice, if you're having trouble with uh, constructive evictions and need some assistance, their, to- their phone number is Area code 601-352-2269. And the Mississippi Center for Justice Fair Housing Hotline is uh, toll-free. It's almost the same as the other one. It's area code 877-352-2269. Let's go to the phones and speak with Jackie, who's called in from Waynesboro. Jackie, thank you so much for being a part of In Legal Terms today. What's your comment or question? I have a question. Thank you for taking my call, by the way. Um, I'm a
5: retired person. I'm on Social and several years ago, I obtained some rental property, and I was able to supplement my Social Security with this, and it's been wonderful. I have, a, 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 besides a business office that I rent, I also have a venue that, of course, right now it is completely shut down. Uh, they always have between 50 and 80 people there at parties and things, but my income on that is like 1200 a month, which is terrific. My problem is, and I'm thinking it may be something off the wall, um, when I am able to open this up, um, what is, have I, am I, do I have any liability there that people come in and say they leave later and say they got sick at my place, you know, I really don't know, I don't want to be, you know, I'll make sure that my building is clean and sterile and everything, but I just wonder, should I even worry about even opening that back, back up to crowds, even when they say it's okay? I'm just thinking about my liability. Should I have a waiver in my contract that, you know, um, that I'm not liable for anyone getting sick? Or um, That may be something that's kind of uh, off the subject today, but I'm really thinking about the future about this.
4: Well, hey, Jackie, it's Will. Thanks for calling. And I think it's always good um, for anyone, especially in business ventures, to to worry. I think there's a right amount, you know, of worry uh, to make sure that you're covering yourself. And of course, um, we're not going to give uh, legal advice on the show, um, but we would recommend, you know, that you talk to an attorney. I think anyone uh, with small business ventures needs to be really careful. And uh, this is an un, a fairly uncertain time, um, so I'm sorry I can't give you, you know, a better answer, um, except that you should seek uh, legal advice and walk through everything with an attorney. Um, so, so I don't okay. think your worry is mm-hmm. unfounded or anything. Um, it's good to be thinking about all these what-ifs, especially right now. And I'm sorry we can't give you uh, anything more specific than that on the show.
5: That's okay. I understand. This is, un- is uncharted
1: territory so we don't know. Uh, go go ahead, Vangela.
3: Yeah, I was Hi Jackie, this is Vangela. I was uh, I of course heard you, you you know speaking of your business, your 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 property and the and the uh event the using it for event purposes. Um it, I want to encourage you if you've not already done so maybe to check with your banker your bank to see if you would but should apply for the um, uh, one of the, the loans under the small business administrations uh segment of the CARES act just in case you are able to replace any of that income uh especially if you happen to have you know not only yourself as an employee but if you have other employees as well so uh you may want to 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 look into that but so check with your banker uh, okay. to see if I you might that. Uh, qualify i am
5: I, according to what I've been hearing this morning on the radio, I really don't, probably don't qualify for small business law because I have no employees. I take care of this myself. I said, well, maybe I can just wait till the unemployment has the self employment uh, situation on their website corrected so that I can do that because, uh, you know, now I, I'm down to zero. And so that I've got to go either way, but I really don't have any employees. So I, I was thinking that maybe the step employment under the unemployment would be my way
1: to go. All right. Well, thank you, Jackie. We appreciate you calling in. <laughs> We're going to take our last break. We thank you for being part of In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for being part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show on our webpage, page, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill, here with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law.
2: Well, uh, we're so... Oh, go ahead
1: Well, do we want to remind everyone that up next is our 10 a.m tuesday southern remedy show relatively speaking with dr susan buttress but this morning we're talking about housing issues with our guests attorney vangela wade president and ceo of the mississippi center for justice and will bedwell an attorney at the center's biloxi office
2: and it is great to have them. And I know that uh, a lot of what you're, you're both doing now is, is figuring out the CARES Act because it was just passed and signed in early April. And, and so what are some of the, the good provisions that, if, if managed right uh, by the government, will, will really help people in the CARES Act?
3: You know something that we've not mentioned this morning. Uh, that we well, we did mention, of the, the course, uh, the the unemployment benefits that were extended under the under the CARES Act, and of course, that's that's very important as we discuss housing issues. But I'd also like to point out something that I didn't know until this past weekend uh, that under the uh, the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, FIFRA, F F C R A, that was actually passed uh march eighteenth, twenty twenty. Uh there are there there are provisions uh for paid sick days and paid leave provisions for certain employees of, of Certain employers, even private employers, you know, normally you get uh, that type of measure taken by Congress uh, as it relates to federal employees, but this is uh, a a benefit that's passed on to our private employees of of employers with, I believe it's 500 uh, or 500 or less or fewer, uh, employees. So, uh, that's something that I wasn't aware of where there are opportunities for paid sick days and paid leave. Uh, there are very specific conditions, but you know, for people who are, uh, either have experienced some health issues as it relates to COVID-19 or their family members, they should check into that to make sure that they are accessing paid leave from their employers. And I believe that whatever the employer is paying uh, in this leave, uh, for paid leave, that that has the potential of being reimbursed under the CARES Act.
2: Well, that's great. And you know, I think then the CARES Act also, in terms of unemployment, also covered people who are people in what we call the gig economy, a lot of people who are not particularly employees, but they're freelancers, and you know, they're doing things where they're not treated as employees. Uh, is there coverage for them as well?
3: right for consultants independent contractors uh so i you know earlier we were talking to our guest uh, jackie who mentioned that she had the business uh, the uh event uh, business or property that she was using for event and she said she was her only employee. Uh, but I would not let that stop me, uh, from applying or looking into, uh, whether it's unemployment under the CARES Act and or if there's still any monies available uh, under for those uh, small business loans. Uh, this again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, we're still daily figuring out uh what's included in the cares act uh and how it's to be uh applied and quite frankly i i don't know that we will know that for another several months i I think it's it's in uh the work is still under construction with regards to uh laying out the regulations or laying out how to apply it uh so I wouldn't take anything for granted and considering that we are living in unprecedented times, uh, with what we're dealing with as a, as a nation and globally and individually, uh, whatever, if there's an opportunity out there, uh, to get some type of relief, I, I would not let hearsay keep me from doing it. I would go straight to the sources, uh, for help, whether it's the uh, State Unemployment Office, whether it's uh, Mississippi Home Corp, or, you know, your your employer. Ask the questions. If you don't ask the questions, you will never uh, get an answer.
2: That, that's such great advice, and, and uh, you know, and very important, because I think that we, none of us really know what's going on yet. I mean, I think it's going to take some time, as you said, and, and y'all are on the front lines, and we really appreciate what you're doing? Um, you know, what about uh, you know one one thing that would concern me too is is people who are already homeless. We've got protection for uh, people who might be evicted uh, and landlords, et cetera. But what you know, someone who is homeless—it's it's hard enough to shelter in place, uh, but when you don't have a home, it's it, it's really impossible. So, is there anything in the CARES Act that really addresses homelessness?
4: There is some um, in the context of how big the CARES Act is and how much money is going everywhere. It's not um, a lot, but there's about $4 billion in what they call flexible emergency service grants that um, can be used to go to immediately placing people into um, at least temporary housing, um, including even hotel and motel rooms. Um, and the way they've structured those grants so that they um, you know, can be reimbursable. Uh, And I'd I'd just recommend, you know, any Mississippians facing homelessness um, to reach out to. uh, There's two groups um, that work with similar um, grants, and that's um, Mississippians United to End Homelessness and then Open Doors. Um, And so they really specialize in finding people emergency housing. But, But, again, you look at the size of the CARES Act and realize, uh, that there 's not a lot there for people that are already experiencing homelessness, and then and you can look at the different states orders or even city stay at home orders, and they usually you know, have a generic language that says you know they 're not going to you know, make it illegal for people already to be homeless to have nowhere to go, but that they encourage them to reach out to families and friends and resources and um, it 's not funny but there is an irony there and so um and anyone i think in america um you know we should all be sheltering at home but if you happen to drive anywhere you're still going to see um people uh that don't have housing um and so i don't think we've it's done enough um to help that population that population's likely to grow um and so we're gonna have to do more for them
2: Right. It, it seems like that also in terms of just a, a, a health care issue, it's a, it, you know, they're, they're going to be more exposed to um, this disease than those of us who are fortunate enough to have good shelter. Uh, so, you know, I know that a lot of your work is centered, as you mentioned, on policy. And so uh, maybe maybe some good policy will come out of this uh, going forward.
1: Well, we want to let our listeners know the Mississippi United in hope Homelessness, they do have a phone number. It's in the Jackson area, area code 601-960-0557. And Open Doors Homeless Coalition uh, does have a phone number. It's in Gulfport. Their phone number is 228-0... I'm sorry... 604 2048 and if you are not homeless these are charities that would be happy to take your donations.
2: Good point and, and thank you for that information Liz and just um, maybe you um We don't have a lot of time. Unfortunately, the time has just flown. And I wish we had three hours to talk about this because, you know, because this is such important information. But um, how do our listeners go about, you know, there's a lot of information about the CARES Act that we're all learning. But what what is their starting point? How do do you start if you think that you are entitled to some funding from the CARES Act? What, What should someone do?
3: Well, I, I would suggest that, of course, uh, one good place to start is always in this day and age of, of, of digital education or digital information. If you have access to Internet to start your search there, uh, and, of course, if you have a specific need whether it's housing or whether it's unemployment then look to your state agency and and you may be able to go online as well to uh, the state's our uh, uh, Mississippi. Dot gov to find additional information regarding the CARES Act. But, but the, this CARES Act is so expansive and it covers so many different areas, uh, that uh, I have found that it, that my best source or resource has been the internet.
1: Thank you, and you so you much. If you don't have
3: internet, then get someone else, uh, access through someone else. And of course, we at Mississippi Center for Justice, uh, also a nonprofit organization is working daily to help and to re- be responsive to COVID and the impact it's, it has and will have on our citizens. Uh,
1: Vangela, we have just run out of time. Thank you so much, Vangela Wade and Will Bedwell from the Mississippi Center for Justice. For uh, Professor Richard Gershen from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Liz Gill. Thank you so much for listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio.